Welcome to the show. Today we're talking about minimalists. Yep, the cheap people them. Nah, I'm just joking. After, actually, after a number of conversations with my yoga instructor, Ariel, who is a minimalist, I actually found the beauty and freedom of it. I'm still not giving up my Range Rover, but the fancy car mats gotta go. Minimalists, maximizing the minimum. Derek, we're talking about minimalists, maximizing the minimum. We decided to bring my yoga instructor, Ariel, on the show to provide some insight because she is an active minimalist. For a brother like yourself that I consider to be a penny watcher, or should I say watches every penny like a hawk, <laughs> why did you agree to do this show today? Now, Sean, you know, I like trying to make my pennies turn to dollars, so I'm always talking about minimizing debt, okay? And when you told me about it, I was so intrigued to hear what Ariel had to tell us about minimalism. Okay, well, you know, I know you like to turn pennies into dollars, but I don't think that's going to be Ariel's job today, but I'm sure she's going to help us tell us some cool things about minimalism. So, Matt, take us to commercial. Thank you, Sean. This sponsorship break is brought to you by Clean. Clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops, and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com. Hey, I'm Sean Linda. And I'm Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And we're from the podcast Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And by popular demand, we are bringing you 10 free financial literacy workshops. Did you say free? I said free, Sean. Well, if the lady with the facts says it's free, then it's free. That's a fact. Every Wednesday from 6 to 8 in Brooklyn. What day is it? When is it starting, Dion? October 17th to December 19th. Just before the holidays. That's right. So don't waste any time. RSVP at getfinanciallyclean.splashthat.com. We're going to be teaching you how to leverage credit. Graduate with minimal debt. Become a landlord. Transition from consumer to supplier. Make a dollar work three times harder. And overall, build generational wealth. That's right, people. So once again, RSVP at getfinanciallyclean.splashthat.com. See you there, or as they say in the 80s, be square. Oh, Sean. <laughs> Peace, love, <laughs> and finance. Black guys. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Well, today, like I said, we have one of my favorite people, Ariel, my yoga instructor, actually the person that, that my first yoga instructor <laughs> ever. Welcome. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. So uh, I guess before we get into this whole minimalism thing, Ariel, just like give us, our, our listeners, a little bit, share a little bit about yourself. Hello, listeners. I'm so excited to be on this show. I've been listening to it for months, and it has provided so much inspiration for me on my debt-free journey. So my history is first as an actor. I had a pretty successful acting career for like two years. I was on The Sopranos and stuff, and then I realized... Be- oh. I know you from The Sopranos. I actually... Okay. Now that you mentioned that, oh my God, I do know you from The Sopranos. Yes. I had it... My character had a pretty tragic demise. Um, yes. And I felt... I actually... I kind of fell into Hollywood really quickly and got everything you would think you want and realized... It was not what I wanted. 
so I retired when I was about 21 from acting. And um, then a chunk of years went by, and I actually published a book about self-realization and dating. A friend and I co-wrote it called Smitten the Way of the Brilliant Flirt. It's really about self-realization. And at that time, I was very much getting into yoga and meditation. And for the past seven years, I've built a full-time career as a yoga meditation teacher, trauma resolution specialist here in New York City. Wow. Um, Well, as we do every show... We have the lovely Dion, the lady with the hard-code facts and stats, here to break it down to us. What did you find out about minimalism, Miss Dion? Minimalism, really and truly, uh, you'll find mentions uh, of it throughout history. Uh, many religion, you know, religious groups, uh, from Buddhism to Christianity, uh, have some mention of denouncing possessions, you know, to gain spiritual focus or wisdom. Uh, Some more extreme examples are the Buddhist monks and Catholic nuns, for example. Um, But the term minimalism really became popular in the 50s and 60s uh, for simplistic trends at first in music uh, and then in art and design. Uh, Then home and architecture. Uh, Then with the advent of mass production, uh, which led to consumerism on overdrive, uh, that's when millions and millions of people actually started realizing, you know, from, from a personal perspective, less is more. So here we are. I'm always learning so much. <laughs> that leads me to a question, and, and Ariel, you have to excuse my ignorance on this one, but what exactly is minimalism? I, I thought for some reason it was about cleaning your house and avoiding becoming a hoarder or something. Um, Such a good question. I actually pulled a quote from the Minimalist website to answer this, and I'll answer it in my own way too, but I do love this quote from the two guys who created a documentary called The Minimalists, and they say, minimalism is a tool to rid yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important so you can find happiness, fulfillment, and freedom. And um, for me, I would say I practice minimalism. I wouldn't fully identify as a minimalist, but I have used minimalism as a tool to get rid of the stuff that has um, blocked not just my happiness, but also my financial well-being. So about a year ago, I had over $36,000 in debt. And I was, yeah, so I had over $36,000 in debt and I actually started by using minimalism and set out on a plan and got rid of that 36 grand in debt within 10 months. That's amazing. Yeah. And as a yoga and meditation teacher, it was actually pretty significant. Like I really had to focus, but, um, ideas around minimalism are what got that started for me and also made it possible to find enjoyment even though I was doing many many less of the things that I used to do to to have pleasure in my life wow so so we'll definitely have to go back into that because that that was a lot you just gave us that's that's good (laughs) so I guess your inspiration I guess your inspiration came with like you know I got all this debt I just need to clear it out and figure out a way that makes it work for me and how to do it you know many people have tried and, you know, and honestly, many have succeeded. I'm sure a lot has failed as well. So your way was saying this was just your way of figuring out how to reduce your debt. 
Well, I really loved that introduction by Dion because also I think for the past seven years and partly coming off being an actor and coming out of my 20s in New York City where I was very much raised on like sex in the city and thinking I should be having $16 cocktails. Um, but I, I think I was, we, we all are conditioned in some way to think that success and fun is reflected in the things you buy and the experiences you have that cost money. And so coming out of my 20s and feeling like I, I had a lot of experiences, but they were kind of hollow and I was looking for more meaning. That's when I got much more deeply into meditation and yoga and realizing that the joy I experience is actually what's coming out of me, not what I'm extracting from things in the world. And when, as I started to learn to apply that joy to more and more things, as simple as sitting on a park bench with a cup of coffee and a friend, I realized how little I needed. And when you start to get excited about how little you need and finding that joy from the inside, that's where it really applies to taking much better care of your finances. So minimalism tripped into my desire to get out of debt and pr proved to be an amazing tool to help me do that really quickly. Well, we are on a finance show, so although I mean, it's really getting deep here, let's, let's, I know people are listening, okay, how does this do with money and finance? So, because to me, the perception of minimalism before I spoke with you, Ariel, was always about, you know, cheap people. And I kind of would like avoid <laughs> cheap people like the plague. But when speaking with you, I see it as a lifestyle change or like more or less getting control of your finances. Can you kind of you know, tell us more about that as far as like get away from the myth of everybody listening to the show thinking, well, minimalists are cheap. Don't go out to eat with them. Don't hang out with them because you're going to be eating bean pies and, and drinking tap water. Yes, yes. I remember my dad, right after my mom and dad got divorced, literally used to water down the ketchup to make it last longer. And so... Hey, 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 hey. Sounds familiar with that. That sort of behavior, I, I do not approve of that sort of behavior. And actually, I've kind of come to the word essentialism as opposed to minimalism for myself because it's not so much about getting rid of everything for me. It's about getting down to essentials. So I do have a few $500 dresses in my closet that I love, probably similar to your range, <laughs> that give me <laughs> great joy. And also that I know when I am going out, I feel amazing in this beautiful, well-made dress. But what I have gotten rid of is all the like fast fashion, really cheap clothing, cheap material, probably made in environments where people aren't treated great or um, compensated well. So I won't find Zara in your wardrobe at all. I won't see Zara or, or Gap. Yeah, Zara's out. I think it's pronounced Zara. Zara. Zara's out. H&M? No, no, definitely no more H&M. No. But you know what I do? Because I don't, because I've been on my debt-free journey and needed to be super frugal still, I go to, in New York City, there's amazing secondhand shops for designer clothes. We call that vintage. Yeah. So I'll get, so <laughs> vintage, but some of them aren't even that vintage. They might be from last season. But what was once in a $1,000 dress, you might get for two hundred dollars so i find workarounds to get the quality of clothing i want um not at the same price well, you look fashionably fantastic here i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't take you as a minimalist right now <laughs> so so going going on with this i, I was wondering how, how did minimalism go for you from downsizing your possessions to finances i know you have a benefit for both but which one was the main driver there well i knew i wanted to get out of debt and I really didn't know how. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand, and this is why this show is actually so amazing, is like 
I never learned how to get out of debt. And if anything, I would say there were, I grew up with a ton of messages that it would be a man that would manage my money ultimately, or would manage money for both of us. And so I didn't know how to budget and I didn't know how to consciously take on that debt. What happened was I was looking at minimalist YouTube videos and I came upon a young woman who was on um, the Dave Ramsey plan and she was talking about waitressing at night to make this extra money and eating peanut butter sandwiches to save money and there was something so young and fresh and vibrant about her and yet so hardcore about her approach to getting out of debt and she really inspired me to look more deeply into it and to do the learning to find out how do I budget and literally how can I get half of my money going towards this debt instead of it disappearing and me not knowing where it's going. So budgeting has been essential along with my kind of essentializing of the little money I had left over to spend on things that, that just give me pleasure. So how did, how did going through the practice of minimalism affect the other areas of your life, career, relationship, family? How, how did that how did, how did those things make an impact? Well, it's been interesting. Um, there's definitely some friends I have that the friendship is dependent on spending together. And that's what we've always done from trips to dinners out and stuff. So it, it kind of shows you who your friends are that just you can have really simple experiences with and have a high quality encounter without much and who your friendships are that are based on like fun, flavorful engagement with the world. And I really don't judge it. And also like I value my possessions that I love and I value them even more now that I've gotten rid of the excess. So I'm not trying to get down to zero and I'm also not trying to edit out all the amazing experiences I can have with travel day trips or bigger vacations. But I think what it does is it, it really essentializes who the people are, who you have a deep heartfelt connection to, who you can have like a really engaging, fun time with, with very little. And it makes that super obvious. I'm also sober. So that it's the same thing happens with that. If you can't drink with someone, are you still connected? It's pretty intense how much reality smacks you in the face when you're sober. So I see being a minimalist lifestyle isn't about fitting all your worldly possessions into a single backpack. It's about cleaning the clutter from your life and adjusting your mindset so you can live with more purpose and peace. So I can see how yoga prepared you mentally for this transition. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And there's this phrase that I think might be really helpful for people to think about, which is hedonic adaptation. It's also called the hedonic treadmill. And this is, and this is from Wikipedia, is the observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events or life changes. So yoga and meditation teaches you how to be incredibly present. And when you're present, you find your baseline of how you relate to the world. And there's actually been an amazing study that realized that people who became paraplegic, um, so basically lost movement from the neck down, within two years went back to the same level of joy that they were at before that. So it's really not so much what happens to us that that gives us joy. It's that baseline within us. And yoga and meditation helps you connect to that feeling of presence that's just like, whoa, it's amazing to be alive. Well, let me go a little deeper because I know a lot of these 
bankers and finance guys are listening to the show, and I come from that background, like, yeah, wah, 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 whatever. <laughs> so let me tell you guys, Ariel works with um, finance guys. She works with, um, who do you work with again, Ariel? You work with um, brokers. You work with tr- traders. Um, and they hire her to help them in this meditation process. So that being said, since this is a finance show, as I always say, do you see this helping as far as finance and budgeting and achieving wealth? Do you see the connection with all of it, with all of it? Absolutely. So here's the thing. Like we are all in, in incarnated in human bodies participating in the game of life. And because we're participating in the game of life, it's really fun to go big, to like fall in love and get your heart broken, get rich, then get broke, lose something, gain something. So what I find is when you get your baseline of presence and well-being, you actually are free to play the game of life even more. When you're super attached and desperate around making money, around security, it's actually harder to take the risks and make the moves to move out of your comfort zone to make new things happen. So what I find is there's a level of freedom and my income has increased exponentially as a minimalist for yes because I've gotten down to the essentials and also I don't party with people who are halfway there or who aren't going to pay me fully well like it's just not worth it to me I do what's essential to me and I don't do what's not essential to me so you value your time and and you really know who you are so when you know who you are and where you're going things that don't align fall out absolutely exactly so I think anyone who gets into budgeting and seriously wants to get out of debt, they're going to find they automatically start getting rid of things. You'll just find you're like, that doesn't fit in my space anymore. Like, because you can't self-realize in one category and not self-realize in the other categories. Well said. Mm. It's all interconnected. Wow. So many bombs, Ariel, you dropped today. Matt, drop a couple bombs. Yeah, you're enlightening us. I love this show. I love how you're bringing in the whole meditation. As you know, I'm a huge fan of yoga as well and just hold the minimalism. So people, dig deep in your pockets. Think about what you need to get rid of. Think about what you need to keep. Ariel's now going to tell us more. Stay tuned. Matt, take us to commercial. This commercial break is brought to you by Canvas Malibu. Canvas Malibu is a boutique and contemporary art gallery in Malibu, California. At Canvas Malibu, it starts with art, and their curated offering of shoes, apparel, accessories, and art are a definite must-see. Canvas Malibu is located in the Malibu Country Mart or online at canvasmalibu.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. We have our lovely guest today, Ariel, on the show. It's been interesting. Okay, Ariel, here we go. Tell me, what does it do? What what does one have to do to become a minimalist? Can you kind of walk us through or namaste us through this process, please? Yes, I would be happy to own you through the process. Oh, there you go. <laughs> First of all, I encourage everyone to think of instead of getting rid of things, getting moving towards what's essential. Yeah. So look around your physical space, look at items. And this is very much like KonMari style, the the life-changing magic of tidying up. Look around your space and look at the things that bring you real joy. 
that when you see them, like a picture of my niece makes my heart expand versus a, a little bowl of broken bobby pins really bums me. <laughs> so look around your space. And even something like I used to have a lot of shoes, like high heels, but some would kind of hurt my feet. Why am I keeping these shoes in my life? You got to wait. So you're not going to be that girl walking that street with the ankles you. breaking and rolling. You're not that you're not that girl. Only stable high heels, only good quality stable high heels. No matter how gorgeous you look in they go they gotta go. <laughs> I need both. I need it to be gorgeous and I need it to be stable and comfortable. But there's some women that just have gorgeous and don't care about stable and comfortable. I kind of respect that approach, but ideally you're only taking cabs and you're sitting for most of the night if that's what's happening. <laughs> So keep two pairs of shoes and throw the rest away. Yeah, and you're not on your if you're on your debt-free journey, you can't take that many cabs. So no you got to split the difference. Um, but look around your space and really see what is nourishing you. And also, if you were to imagine the life you want to be living one year from now, look at your items and see do those items fit into who I want to be and the life I want to be living one year from now. So I live here in New York, and in my um, debt-free journey, like I said, it took me 10 months to pay off $36,000 in debt, which rocked my own world. I didn't know I could do it that fast. I actually moved during that time, and part of the reason I moved is I had been imagining what is the home I really want to live in. And when I thought deeply about it, it was very different from the home I did live in, and a lot of the items that were in my space were relics of the past, things people had given to me, um, things like from old relationships. And so look around and see how your body feels when you look at the stuff around you. I remember you telling me you got rid of the the boyfriend memorabilia. The boyfriend box. I did have a boyfriend box with all my boyfriend memorabilia in it. It, They were all together in there, shut up in this box in my closet. I didn't even open it. I just took it. I put it out in the garbage and I walked away. (laughs) So all of Ariel X's is you guys are like really part of the past. All the little memories that you thought she had of you. Yeah. They're with New York Sanitation right now. (laughs) Outside. So give us another example. Just I just want to, for the listeners to understand, like just give us a few examples of like when you said you were getting rid of a number of items. How how many were you actually getting rid of, like daily? Um, I so like I said, I started at five, then I went up to twenty-seven a day, and then I just went past that. I just like hauled and went past that. I probably got rid of. You had a lot of stuff. Like over a thousand items. Where did you live in a museum? No, you would be surprised. (laughs) I lived in a studio apartment here in Brooklyn, and it it looked like I had some things, but you would be surprised how many things you have. But this is old papers, like weird old bank papers you don't need. Yeah. 30 plastic bags that you keep after you go to the grocery store. So give us an example of a few things you got rid of, like that people can get rid of, like in, off the top of your head. What would you suggest generally what people can get rid of? It's very easy to go in your closet and pull clothes that you literally don't wear or don't fit you well, or you don't like how the fabrics feel. Mm-hmm. That one with the, the ripped, the, the ripped zipper, the button falling off, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you kind of compromise and decide it's worth something. Like I, I grew up with not a ton of money in my family. So I I have a little bit of that. I want to cling to things because they're worth something. Um, And to really look objectively and be like, is is this moving me forward towards the life I want to live? If it's not, get rid of it. Also, old kitchen items. A lot of us have a lot of utensils we don't actually use. You can tell.
hell because they have a sticky film over them. (laughs) (laughs) And you might aspire to be a great cook one day and use something like an egg yolk brush. But if you haven't yet, you're probably not going to. Just to add on there, Ariel, um, there are, on average, in an American's home, 300,000 items. Just to put things into perspective. Uh, they said the average size of the American home has now nearly tripled in size in the, over, the, over the past 50 years just to house these things. Uh, and still, I think this is what's fascinating, one out of every 10 Americans still rents off-site storage. <laughs> it's the fastest growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past four decades. I, I don't even get that. People that are listening that have their stuff in storage, like to me, if you have your stuff in storage and your stuff costs less than your storage fee, I don't know why people... That's why Storage Wars is still on TV. And, exactly and it's why. worth less than what it would cost them to buy the thing brand new, but they put it in storage. Well, I think that people, you know, this, this throws me back into the idea of yoga philosophy. Um, people are looking for a sense of identity through the things they own and uh, having a lot of things actually makes you feel like you exist and so it is a it, it is an existential experience to if i take away all these tokens that that show me my history um what what is my existence then and i think that's where really connecting to your physical body to your breath finding enjoyment and just like being alive in your human connections helps you let go of that that junk so we aren't just storing stuff mm-hmm. so what what was one of the hardest things to let go of something that you knew you just had to get rid of but you didn't want to maybe the boyfriend box or something that was hard but it felt really good um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to all those women out there they're loving this man the, you know, I, I, what pops into my mind is I had this really cute little green love seat that I had bought actually second hand but it was beat up and it was musty and it was one of those items that it was a treasure when I found it so when I found it it was really important and special and it served me really well for five years five years later it was pretty beat up and I didn't need it anymore, but I was still attached to how I felt when I originally got it. So that was really hard to accept that that relationship to that item had changed and take the behavior of getting rid of it that reflected my updated relationship to it. I was like attached to the memory of what it meant. It's it's the process of updating your the reality around you with the reality of your authentic values. And that's something that's actually really scary for a lot of people to take on regarding their physical health or their environment or their finances. Um, So sometimes you do have to sit a really long time with an item to realize you can let it go. Or sometimes you put it out in the hall for a few days and then finally you're ready to let it go. Okay. So you can ease into it. Yeah. I could see myself staring at some of this stuff, not wanting to throw it away. What's how's a typical day start? You know, someone that wants to wants to get started throwing a couple things away or downsizing, how how would that start off? I well, what I do is I get up, I have a lot of water because um, it's good for you, 
and a little bit of coffee. And then I sit down with my goals journal and every single morning I write down my top 10 goals and I allow them to change day by day. So it's not that I'm attached to yesterday's goals. And after you've done this for about a month, you'll find the patterns fall into place. So every day I wind up writing, my body feels healthy, fit, and vital, alive. I feel joy in my body and my um, choices in terms of how I move around serve my vitality and health. Every day I write down, my home is clean, organized. I know where to find things. And then I have also professional goals. So I really do start every single morning setting my intention. And, and when you set your intention, cause your mind is like a dog. <laughs> it's like you can train your mind to do crazy things or you can not train your mind and it's going to run around and be chaotic and chase pleasure. Um, or you can train your mind to focus on the life you want to create. And when you give it that focus, kind of like how dogs, when you train them really well, can do amazing things. They can run the Iditarod. You can create amazing things when you choose to do that focus based on your values first thing in the morning. So your listeners have a huge variety of backgrounds and needs and values. And it's most important that you connect to your values each morning. Any, any downsides to this? Any trade, anything that you were like, hmm, that was hard. Any pitfalls or anything like that that you found through this journey? Yeah. I think like, I, I, I love things and I love experiences. And to get out of debt as quickly as I did, I did have to stop doing things that are really fun or not do them as much. And, and it's kind of like I had to start, stop decorating the house so that I could fix the foundation. And, and in doing that, I missed decorating the house. So I really hope (laughs) so, but it's really important that I fix the foundation. So no Christmas tree at your house. No. Well, no. I got my mom a Christmas tree, though. I carried it on my head for her because I wanted to save her the money a cab, so I literally just carried it on my head. Oh, you actually carried it on your head? <laughs> wow. Yeah, for nine blocks. It was. That's what a headstand in yoga will train you to be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> so have you been able to find a, a support circle or a group of like-minded people in your area I know you talked about being able to do certain things with certain friends. So does that exist where you are? Can other people reach out to that support group? Do you know if things like that are around the country people can join? Well, because I have such a wide network as a yoga teacher here in New York City, and I talk a lot about what I'm up to, I find that um, I gain community just in doing that. And I have a variety of kind of clubs and circles, a book club and a seasonal circle that meets in the park. And um, so there are other people in my life that I think this is a big movement that's happening in our culture. It's kind of a response to all the consumerism and realizing like, hey, wait, I'm not as happy as this is supposed to make me. So it's definitely in the air. I would find I find most of my support through online communities, though, through like listening to the minimalists or I love Mr. Money Mustache's website. It's really funny. Um, so I, and just looking things up on YouTube and seeing what other people are up to, because uh, sometimes I do feel a little bit left out of of like the life I was living in New York City. And I hope to to integrate more pleasure back in in terms of experience, not in terms of stuff. As um, my finances are now moving quickly into the surplus since I got my budget under control, and once those stabilize more, then I hope to have a bigger fun fun fund fund with a capital fund. 
Hey. <laughs> fun, fun. Yep. I was also thinking about people with kids. That must you must need really a, a support system there as well. Um, I'm sure that's crucial. They were saying that uh, 3.1% of the world's ch- children live in America, and they own 40% of the toys consumed globally. Then they also said, for example, shopping malls outnumber high schools. Wow. 93% of teenagers, teenage girls, rank shopping as their favorite pastime. And that came from a, a study from Affluenza. That's eye-opening. More malls in high schools? That's, I didn't even know that. That's, that's crazy. Well, yeah, and there's a deeper thing here about, for instance, young women learning their value beyond their appearance. And that's been a huge journey for me. And part of getting on my debt-free journey and, and getting my money under control, it's changed a lot where I feel my sense of value from. And I think one thing that I used to do more was objectify men for their finances and for the fact that I thought I needed them for me to be stable. And going on this journey and learning and self-realizing about my finances has allowed me to be less objectifying of men so I can see them more evenly because I don't... So you I can don't, date a broke brother now? Um, there you go. Find that cheap <laughs> That's man. what... Uh, that's what uh, <laughs> I like the fiscally responsible. <laughs> I've never heard a woman say I can date a broke brother so I just wanted to make that see if that if I was hit by a, if this was like some kind of special person a unicorn I thought I was sitting beside a unicorn I can be very good friends with a broke man <laughs> <laughs> they make great friends they have so much free time <laughs> so true Dion yeah are, are there guidelines that you follow like I know some vegans have strict diets or or religious have rules do you practice a minimum do you or do you or the practice of minimalism have a strict set of rules or guidelines that need to be followed definitely not like i said i think of what i do more as essentialism and also it's a process for me i've been really into this for the past year and i am not committed to trying to get down to nothing i'm committed to give myself everything I truly value. So every single day I am reconnecting with what do I authentically value today? And that might change from day to day. So I'm not going to adhere to something that's written in a book or written on a website over my own authentic intuition and value system. But switching gears for a minute, you mentioned some of your financial endeavors and here on Two Black Guys with Good Credit, we talk about concepts like budgeting and you've spoken a little bit about that, but I'm wondering, Were you a budgeter before this change in your lifestyle? Not in the slightest. I've always been a little bit of a hustler with money. Like, my first job was washing dishes when I was 14, so I've always been a really hard worker, but I never understood the concept of budgeting, and um, it was a a really uncomfortable learning curve for me, especially to realize budgeting equals freedom. It it doesn't... It's not a punishment. It's it's a, a portal to, to freedom. Say that again, Ariel. I think that was a very, very powerful and uplifting statement. What a shift in mindset. Budgeting is not a punishment. It's a portal. It's the way through to freedom to create the life you really want to live. It really, really is. And also to shape professionally what you want to do. Now I have extra money to invest in the projects I want to create that I didn't have before because it was disappearing who knows where. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let me just say this. You know, I saved this question for the last part of this section because I really wanted to 
you to, you know, it's my favorite part of what I've learned through this whole thing with you, that you were able to pay off $36,000 in debt. And everybody's listening to the show be like, okay, great for Ariel. Like, how did you do it? How can our listeners start to do it? And, you know, it even brings me back to the point when we we had lunch to discuss the show. Like, you showed up with... um, these envelopes at the end of the at the end of the lunch. I mean, the lunch was like less than twenty dollars, and you had your envelopes sectioned out, and you were like, "Sean, I can cover this part of the bill or this tip with this envelope that came out, and it was titled." So I know that's some of you the tricks to your trade. So l- share with us, you know, a few other ones that listeners can be leave this phone and be like, "Yeah, I can get rid of thirty six thousand dollars in ten months as well." Because like you said, you know, I, I don't know your salary, but I think typical American salary was nothing exceptional, and your expenses probably were typical New York's expenses that we all have. So just kind of take us through how it was done and how people can, can start their own journey of financial freedom. Yeah, so first you need to write down all your non-negotiable expenses for your survival, your rent or your mortgage, groceries, which is different from dining out budget, um, your utilities, your phone, the basics. Those That money you have to make. And then question those. So I reduced my phone bill from $90 to $40 by changing carriers. Like, so by actually really questioning those expenses, do I need to spend this much on this? You can usually reduce those. Then you start taking the categories, what are they called, incidentals, that are more... up in the air and you set a realistic budget around that. So I'm around the city all the time. I love stopping for a cup of coffee between teaching yoga. That's important to me, but I can't spend $100 a month on coffee while I'm on my debt-free journey. So I budgeted it to $40. And like Sean said, I had an envelope that I put that $40 cash in. So when that $40 is out, it's, it's over. And have and apparently when you spend with cash, you feel the pain of it leaving you, and so you spend less money. So for things like groceries, dining out, and, and coffee, I used cash, and I had a fun budget of $40 a month. I used cash so that less would go out. Then for other things, like things for my business, I just tried to keep it as essential as possible. And then you take everything else, all the rest of the income that you have after covering the essentials that you need to be, you know, happy. You don't, if you do go, I, I still need to go out a couple times a month to dinner with friends. You take all the extra money and throw it at debt. And what I saw was the first month, it was about $700. And by the last month, it was $6,500. So not so partly I had reduced my expenses, but largely my level of focus had increased my income and opportunities. So because I was so focused, more opportunities came to me. I took action on things I wanted to do professionally. So I had a lot more money. Coming. So you actually made more money by becoming a minimalist. Yeah, because you're because your value, you're so clear about what your values are. And also when you really want to get out of debt, you'll sell stuff. You'll take on new jobs. You'll, you'll take on risky as long as they're not financially risky, but bold new projects that you've been wanting to do. Like what? Like I had been wanting to do this online business of yoga course that I had conceptualized literally years ago. And because I knew I wanted to get out of debt, I'm like, Ariel, just write that email, promote the course and see what happens next. And immediately it sold out. So the next month I taught it and I had 
uh, an extra $2,000 income. So you think if you would never became a minimalist, that would never have been part, that income would never have happened? Wouldn't have been motivated to, to make that happen if I wasn't as consciously on my financial freedom journey, which involved minimalism. And- and I so agree with what you're saying. Like budgeting does open your open your eyes to opportunity. People don't see that. Like you just said earlier, like you think budgeting is a punishment, but it's actually a portal to freedom. And it really was a freedom. And when you talk about the sixty five hundred dollars that you made in the last that you're able to save, that didn't just come from cutting back. Because everybody, some people will be like, I don't even make sixty five hundred dollars a month. But what you're talking about is really it opened doors to other opportunities, other revenue streams, which then gave you that accumulation of sixty five hundred dollars which is a truly amazing thing because you opened up other doors by closing down those cluttered doors. Yeah, and also for all the listeners out there, you know when you're functioning in a work environment that's really compromising your values and you're like, the worth of my work is more than this. And sometimes you can't change that this month and I really sympathize with people who have family and are in challenging situations. I know making that shift. I'm a single woman here in New York City, so I can pivot much more quickly. But when you start to feel like this is deeply compromising my values and the future I want to create for myself, you stop making those compromises and and you, you commit inside yourself in a way that you don't turn your back on yourself. And, and that's what starts, then providence moves, then other opportunities come up and, and you start to move towards them. Wow. You got me fired up. Damn. I'm ready to clean my house. Wow. Yeah, call me Mr. Clean. With that being said, people, <laughs> Ariel, once again, it's, it's exciting. I'm glad everybody can hear what we have to say. It's two black guys with good credit. We're maximizing the minimum. Minimalist is what we're talking about, people. Matt, take us to commercial. Thank you, Sean. This sponsorship break is brought to you by Clean. Clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops, and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We're being minimalist today, people. We're maximizing the minimum, and it's been a great journey. I'm already... And looking through my kitchen and looking at all the egg wipers and beaters and plates and stuff that Mama Dunn left me, <laughs> I'm getting rid of the Dion. I'm getting rid of that pink flamingo. It's going out the door. <laughs> <laughs> the pink statue's going out. Not the pink flamingo. <laughs> it's getting up for. I don't even know how I got this pink flamingo. That's why it's going for. It's going to be for sale. No attachment to it at all. Dion, take us through this round. All right, Ariel. So it's speed round time. This is the final segment when we're going to go through the rules of living with less and you'll give us your spin on them and any financial uh, tips that may be applicable, applicable to that rule. If you can't put the spin on it, the two black guys will. And the first rule is evaluate your space and examine your priorities. Evaluate your space and examine your priorities. Yes, absolutely. Question everything. And if your priorities don't resonate with your authentic inner feelings of heck yes, then change them and adapt your choices, your space, and your tomorrow accordingly. Two, declutter every area of your home. Absolutely. Especially the weird things underneath your bathroom cabinet. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just thinking that. By going through, you're going to weed out so much of the past that you didn't even want to carry forward and you didn't even know you were lugging around with you. So one section at a time, go through your home, declutter, and have fun with it. You might have a bonfire. <laughs> Number three, think before you buy new things. Yes, you must think before you buy new things. And in particular, think, does this fit into the future life I want to create for myself? And not just, do, would I look cute in this jacket this winter? It's, does this purchase lead me to the level of financial freedom and independence that I want to have as I move into the later parts of my life? Okay, that leads us to number four, seek high quality stuff. I think this is so important because when you seek high quality stuff, you're taking, you're, you're, you're choosing to see yourself as high quality. And, and when, even if you have low self-worth and so many of us do because of the way we grew up and all kinds of reasons by making those little conscious choices that reflect your value back to yourself, you're going to start to feel more valuable and treat yourself better. I hope. Again, I love that. Yeah. Five, be grateful for what you have. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, like I literally couldn't imagine for anything more. I have an amazing family. I have a beautiful job. I want to keep growing my career. But when I stop and take a deep breath and I'm like, I'm hanging out with Sean Linda in his beautiful kitchen in Brooklyn, <laughs> talking to Derek and Dion about minimalism and financial health. What more could we want? This is the best. <laughs> Number six, purge on a regular basis. That I do. Uh. That's for Ariel, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think we haven't talked a lot about like fitness lately, but it's really detox. So regularly you want to do things that detox. You want to sweat, you want to move, and you want to get rid of the things that are blockages to health in your body, just like you want to get rid of things that are the blockages to the, who you want to be tomorrow in your space. So I think that regular maintenance also helps make it less overwhelming. Let go of the guilt. Which guilt? The guilt of holding on, I guess. The guilt of not letting that pink flamingo go. Yeah, yeah. I would say examine the guilt because there's a reason you have the guilt. So examine if you have guilt or shame or fear or attachment to items, drop down, way down beneath it and be like, what is this really rooted in? And lovingly look at why you're holding on and see if you can find a higher quality way to serve that need than by holding on to old stuff that doesn't actually fill the void you're trying to fill with it. And eight, disassociate yourself from your material belongings. Yeah, your value is intrinsic. It, your value is in the fact that you're here and you exist and it's... It, it's not an accident. Everything else in your life is accessories. So <laughs> <laughs> accessories are fun, but when you dial into your inherent value and the value of the love you share with the people around you and your contributions to your community and the work that you do in the world, the stuff is just less, it's less important. You just don't care as much when you regularly return to that. Beautiful. Thank you. That is our speed round. Amazing. Wow. Namaste, namaste, namaste. Like what a great show. So interesting. 
so many things, so many takeaways. You know, I love bringing in the spiritual meditation, minimalist connection to people and understanding like the journey of, of to me of building wealth and just finding all overall happiness. Thank you so much, Ariel, for sharing your wisdom with, yes, with our Ariel. listeners. Thank you. I, I still have goosebumps. Really enjoyed having you. Yay. Thank you. And I usually don't do this, but I, you know, I'm used to you ending all the classes and shows. So through yoga. So I'm going to let you end today's show, Ariel. And please give the people your handles, ways in which to get in touch with you, you know, and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. If you do want to check me out on social media, it's Ariel Kylie, A-R-I-E-L-K-I-L-E-Y on Instagram and on Facebook. And my website's just arielkylie.me. So I do regularly publish like advice and, and ideas. And you can check me out on YouTube too. You can see my entire financial freedom journey and all my budgeting. Just search my name on YouTube. I made a, I tracked it all on YouTube. You can see the real numbers and everything. Um, and the last thing I want to offer is there's this very famous Buddhist saying that is don't mistake the finger pointing to the moon for the moon. And for all of you out there who are seeking advice on finances and on truth and on minimalism, maybe ultimately what this means is there's so many pointers out there, but you need to dial into your own heart, your own gut, your own instincts about what you're moving towards in this life and what would truly serve your value system. And your value system is unique to you. So at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, make your instincts your inner compass. And when your body says yes, that's a yes. And when it says, eh, not for me, that's when it's time to keep walking. So trust you. There you have it, people. Spoken from the yoga queen, Miss <laughs> Ariel. Thanks again for being on the show. Matt, take us to commercial. Hey, I'm Sean Linda. And I'm Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And we're from the podcast Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And by popular demand, we are bringing you 10 free financial literacy workshops. Did you say free? I said free, Sean. Well, if the lady with the facts says it's free, then it's free. That's a fact. Every Wednesday from 6 to 8 in Brooklyn. What day is it? When is it starting, Dion? October 17th to December 19th. Just before the holidays. That's right. So don't waste any time. RSVP at getfinanciallyclean.splashthat.com. We're going to be teaching you how to leverage credit. Graduate with minimal debt. Become a landlord. Transition from consumer to supplier. Make a dollar work three times harder. And overall, build generational wealth. That's right, people. So once again, RSVP at getfinanciallyclean.splashthat.com. See you there, or as they say in the 80s, be square. Oh, Sean. (laughs) Peace, love, and (laughs) finance. Welcome back with Two Black Guys with Good Credit. The show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. We're here talking about minimalism, maximizing the minimum. And we had our lovely guest, Ariel. What a show it was, I must say. It was a great show. Oh, um, so great. So, Dion, what are the parting words that you have for our people today? Well, in terms of resources, if I had to give you one, uh, theminimalist.com. So, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, they have helped over 20 million people live more meaningful lives 
through their website, their books, their podcast, their documentary. So definitely check them out. They've been all over the, you know, Wall Street Journal, Boston Globe, Time, ABC, you name it. So definitely authorities on, on um, the subject uh, if you wanted somewhere to start. Um, other than that, please always remember to email us your questions to tbgwgc at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review to make it easier for others to find us. Like Stat317, who said, please keep it coming. The community needs this. Stories and experiences are outstanding. Thank you, Stat317. And you know I have a penchant for stats. So thank you. I love the name. And with that said, my name is Dion Nichols. I'm the lady with the history, the stats and the cold hard facts. Derek? So today we've learned a lot and among that for the bottom line, there are many roads on the path to financial freedom. With minimalism, you can start clearing that path. Remember everyone, when opportunity knocks, make sure you're there to answer the door. Sean? My bottom line is find your happiness and in your journey through life experiences and understand that like Ariel threw throughout the show, you may think taking away may actually be a negative thing, but it actually can evolve into a positive thing where you can find opportunities and grow. So don't be scared of the minuses because two minuses lead to a plus. I'm Sean. See you next week. As I say every week, your money is your money. Keep it in your damn pocket. Black guy.